So what's the word of the day? See, I was listening. To reflect, I mean, yeah, it's also mirror, but, you know, to, to take heart and listen, to slow down, stop, think about the experience, that's also part of Good Friday for us to think about what Jesus did. And, and I would admit, or at least I would admit for myself, I think that's hard for us to watch and hear the sounds. I'm sure there are some in the room that were like, I hope we're not fixing to see part of the passion or because it's difficult. It's hard for us to comprehend what Jesus went through for us. But that's why we're here is to think about his sacrifice for us. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about Jesus following him through. And if you've been with us, he was with the disciples in the upper room and they were having a meal. And then they get up and they make their way down through the Kidron Valley to a garden. Some gospels tell us it's the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus begins to pray and the disciples begin to sleep because they don't really know yet what's really coming. And so Jesus spends time in prayer and then Judas shows up. He's already betrayed Jesus. And Judas shows up along with soldiers and they arrest Jesus. They take him before Caiaphas and they say, okay, who do you claim to be? I am the king of the Jews. Just by his identity, it's black, by, by his claim, it is blasphemy. And so he's taken to Pilate. Pilate looks at him and the leaders of the temple rile him up and say, look, if you don't sentence him to death, then you're not loyal to Caesar. And so now you're in danger. And so he's put in jail. He's alone in Rome in a prison. And this is where Jesus experiences the passion. And that's a kind of an archaic term for us because we think of one thing, but the passion means the suffering. He's whipped. He's beaten. He's spit on. He's mocked. He's humiliated. He's stripped sits in the sun or hangs in the sun for hour upon hour until he says it is finished into your hands I commend my spirit and he breathes his last breath that's what we are here to reflect upon why did Jesus do that and it's difficult to think about I love Kids often will ask questions that we as adults will not. Last night, uh, as many of you came in and prayed for Monday Thursday, uh, had a family come in. They had some younger kids. And we began as they got ready to leave. And I said, well, hopefully we will see you tomorrow on Good Friday. And one of them said, well, what is Good Friday? And I tried to explain as much as I could what Good Friday was. And then they turned and they asked a question. Well, then why is that good? And that's a question that I think is a legitimate question. Why do we say that we are here for Good Friday when we are 
reflecting and thinking about the pain and the torture of Jesus. I think it's the same mentality when you, when you have a service, a celebration of life for someone. And we say, and preachers say it all the time, that we're here to celebrate life in the midst of death. It's that same mentality of why, why is it good? It's a fair question for us to think about. Scholars are going to say that good is a derivative, or some scholars would say that good is a derivative of God, and that the early church would have called this God Friday, and that somewhere in the translations and the, in the years it has changed from God to good. Some scholars would say, no, it's not a derivative of God, it's a derivative of holy, and this is holy week, and what Jesus does for the, on the cross for us is help to make us holy, and so that is why we say Good Friday. Others say, no, it's just as simple as the fact that because of what Jesus did on the cross, it is good for us. But it is a fair question, and I think particularly in our modern moment of where we are. How do we sit in this moment and celebrate Good Friday? When we as a, as a people still experience um, things that have been going on for hundreds of years, hatred, oppression, racism, that we still have violence. Today we saw another attack on our capital. We still see violence in the world. We still have COVID. A friend of mine posted today that his wife is in the hospital and is in critical condition. People are still getting sick. People are still dying as a result of COVID. We forget that sometimes, but this is still going on. So how do we as God's people still sit here and say, today is good? And that's why I want you to reflect. I want you to reflect on why is it good? I believe that Jesus on the cross is the greatest expression of God's love for us. And that's one of the reasons that it's good for us. It's a full expression of God's love. If I were to say to you, John 3:16, many of you, if you've grown up in the church, you know that passage, right? For God so loved the world. See, y'all can finish this. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Hear what Paul says in Romans, Romans chapter 5. While we were still weak, at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the ultimate demonstration of a person's love is sacrifice. And what we see in Scripture is that the ultimate sacrifice is one who lays one's life down for another. Jody, I think on Sunday, at the very beginning, you talked about who you would lay your life down for. And so I thought about that, and then I thought about that today. Who would I lay my life down for? And I'm going to be honest with you, it's not a lot of people. My wife, in a heartbeat. My two children, absolutely. Now that Latham is married, Cammie, yes. 
one day we will be grandparents. And from those of you who are grandparents and what I've heard, yes, my grandchildren. Latham earlier, Lydia, we're delaying. Uh, and so, but just want to get that on the record. Uh, so, but, but that, you know, I started thinking about that. Like I have really, really close friends, but I'm gonna be honest with you that they're probably a maybe. Who would you lay your life down for? We think about military, military people, they, they give their, they, they, they're willing to sacrifice their life for their country. But let's be honest, country is an ally. Claire, Latham, Lydia, Cammie, they're all my allies. How many of you would lay down your life for your enemy? Probably not very many if I were to ask you to raise your hand. What scripture tells us, that because of our sinful nature, we are born enemies of God. And yet what Paul says is that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. We want to know what's good about what Jesus does on the cross. It is the ultimate expression of how much he loves you. I want you to think about that. Reflect on that. Why is it good? Because it shows us how much God loves us. Why is it good? Not only does it show us how much he loves us, but the crucifixion of Jesus is good because it brings dead things to life. Particularly people. People to life. In Ephesians, Paul says this in chapter 2. God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that he came so that he could give us life and life to the full. Let me tell you, a lot of us, what we want is we want life to the full. But we don't realize when we think about that scripture, Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And so for us to really truly understand life to the full, the life of abundance, we have to claim, we have to acknowledge, we have to proclaim that Jesus gave us life. That brought life out of something. He replaces our spiritual death with spiritual life. And he does that by offering himself for us. Jesus didn't just come to make our life better. He came to bring dead people to life. And that is an expression of mercy. That's what great is your mercy. It is because God has brought dead things, dead people to life. I am one of those. Dead in sin to life in Jesus Christ. That is something that I can celebrate because of what Jesus did on the cross. Mercy is this big word that we use around in the church, but we don't often reflect on it. And what it means is that we don't get what we deserve. And that's the hard part for us is to realize Scripture says that because of our sinful nature, because of how all the things that have happened in this broken world, that what we deserve is to be separated from God forever. 
That is what we deserve, is we deserve to be separated from God forever. But on the cross, Jesus takes our sins and puts them on him. And then Jesus takes his right standing with God and puts it on us. That is the mercy of God. So what is it that is good in the cross? It is this full expression of God's love and it is this tremendous expression of God's mercy. It brings dead people to life. And then also the crucifixion of Jesus is good, not just because it is an expression of love and it's an expression of mercy, but it is because it produces good works in us. Listen to what it says in chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians. We are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. See, we recognize that Jesus, when he brings us to life, that he begins to produce good works in us. And it's works that he has already planned. All of you, God has already planned the good works that are in your life. And James says that faith without these good works is dead. That, that, that we can see evidence of a faith in Jesus Christ through good works. We don't earn salvation, but it's an expression of what God is doing in our lives. So I challenge you to think about, reflect upon this Easter season, the good works that God does in you. And listen, we have been separated for almost 13 months as a church. Let me tell you, I still see good works going on. Somebody walked in here last night and they said that they have been calling their phone buddy and that their phone buddy has essentially realized that they are now a shut-in. And that their phone buddy said, hey, do you think that you might be able to bring me to church? And this person was asking this question because they were wanting to know, hey, could we... Could we sit together if we came to church? And I said, certainly, that would be fine. But here's a result of somebody who's built a relationship over the last 13 months. And out of that good work, God is able to do something and God is able to bring life in something that is not dead because of Jesus Christ. I think about all the cards and the letters that many of you, I don't, that many of you have been mailing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cards that you have been writing to each other. And what I imagine, what I picture in my head, when people begin to return and people begin to feel more comfortable coming back in, you're going to meet people and you're going to say, oh my goodness, you were somebody who mailed me a letter. I didn't even know who you were. There are good works. What we can reflect upon we think about what Jesus does on the cross, it is good because it produces good works in us. And folks, there is a world of darkness out there that need to see the visible good works of Jesus Christ. And so it's good. 
The cross is good for us because it is a full expression of love. It's a great example of God's mercy. And it produces the good works in us. And let me just tell you what I believe is the greatest work of the church. Prayer. Because we call upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Early this year, many of you accepted the challenge for us to pray and to continue to pray together. And if you haven't, and you haven't begun, I invite you, start praying. Start circling, as many of you know what that phrase means. It's the greatest work that we have. If you go look at any movement of God, any movement of God throughout history, do you know what's the core of that movement? Prayer. The people of God praying. And so on this day, when we reflect and we think about why it is good for us, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And here's what I want you to do. If you're here today with somebody in your family, I'm going to invite you to hold hands. If you're at home, it may seem awkward, but you're around a table, hold hands. If you're here by yourself, I'm going to ask you to touch the pew in front of you. It's just a way of being able to connect. If you're at home and you're alone, raise your hands towards the TV or just open them up if it's more comfortable for you to be able to invite the Holy Spirit. You know, there are things... There are families who've never held hands and prayed. And maybe tonight this is the first time you've ever held hands and prayed together. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for our country. And then I'm going to invite Al to come on up. And then we're going to let him lead us in a prayer for our church. And then at the end I will invite us to pray for those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. I hope you know somebody who doesn't because that means you're around people in the world. Jesus tells us to do that, but to not leave them there. That's what Easter is all about, is introducing people to the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you will pray with me for those who don't yet know them. It could be your kids, it could be your spouse, it could be your parents, it could be your classmates, it could be in your, in your neighborhood. But as we pray for those who don't know Jesus, I invite you to just, you can do this in your head, just lift them before God. And so I invite you now to bow your heads. Almighty God, we come in this moment We lift our country up to you. Lord, your word tells us that if we, your people, will earnestly pray, if we will seek after your Holy Spirit, if we will seek your face, that you will heal our land. And if we have ever needed healing, it is now. But your word also says that as we pray, 
that we are to humble ourselves before you. And God, I can't do anything about anybody else in this room or anybody that's joining us online. We can't do anything about people who are not with us in this moment. All we are able to do in this moment is to say, Lord, allow me to humble myself. Help me to be able to call upon you and to trust you for you to do what you are able to do because you are so much bigger than me. God, we are a country. We are divided on so many things. And so I pray, God, that you help us in that moment of humbling of ourselves to allow your spirit to unite us. And that may mean that I have to set certain things aside. Help us, O oh God, to trust in you and to trust in you alone. God, your word tells us that through the power of your Holy Spirit, as we call upon you, we humble ourselves before you, that we are also to repent of our ways. That anything that is wrong in my life, anything that is separated from you, I pray, almighty God, that you give me the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to turn and go the other direction. Help us as a church to, to do the same, Lord. If we're doing something that is not in alignment with your will, we pray, oh God, right now for you to show us so that we are able to repent and go the other direction. Because we know that your word is true and that if you, we repent and we humble ourselves before you and we seek your face, you will bring healing upon us. And so we pray, almighty God, in this moment for your healing power.